From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. I'm Jennifer Schott, budget and appropriations reporter. And we want to talk about the state of coronavirus aid talks because we seem to be at a critical juncture right now where the next two weeks may really determine which way this thing goes, whether it whether it's a bipartisan effort or whether Democrats are going to go it alone. Um, because President Biden on Monday really uh, set the timetable here for how he wants to proceed. And what he said, Jen, was interesting because he said he'd give Republicans a couple weeks to, to see if they could reach a bipartisan deal. And if not, he made clear he was going to pull the trigger on the budget reconciliation process, which, as you know, skirts GOP opposition. It avoids a Senate filibuster. It allows Democrats to go it alone by just allowing a simple majority vote in the Senate to get a bill passed. Um, So these next two weeks are pretty critical. And I think it's really going to be an interesting key test of governance for Biden in his in his fledgling presidency here because remember I mean this is a president who who took office wanting to unite the country and stressing the need for bipartisanship and lowering the temperature and all that and this is his first big initiative out of the gate um so it seems to me you know that if he can't get bipartisan on this one when everyone agrees we have a pandemic we need to address it makes it much harder. If he has to go reconciliation on this one, it's going to make it much harder to do all the big stuff to come. Yeah. So I think one of the interesting messaging points that the Biden administration has been putting out this week is that even if they need to turn to reconciliation, that sort of fast track process in the Senate that avoids the legislative filibuster in that chamber, that that doesn't necessarily mean they're giving up on bipartisan negotiations for another coronavirus relief package. Um, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said that, you know, even if they're advancing coronavirus relief through the budget reconciliation process, that does not prevent GOP lawmakers from voting for an eventual package The White House has also been pretty clear that they don't expect whatever bill comes out of Congress to mirror their $1.9 trillion aid proposal. You know, they're sort of saying this is how the legislative process works, particularly on spending matters. The executive branch, typically the president or the Office of Management and Budget, proposes, you know, spending Um, and, you know, outlays and things like that. And then the legislative branch debates it, takes it up and passes a bill. And so the White House seems to be approaching this in a pretty rational way at the moment. But there is a ticking clock on this. Um, And the sort of biggest uh, timeline that we're hearing from Democrats and the Biden administration is that the temporary extension of federal unemployment insurance benefits expires in March. And so they really want to make sure that a new bill is enacted um, and that states, which run various unemployment insurance systems on various computer systems, are given the time that they need to set up that new unemployment insurance provision. And so really that gives them maybe a month or so to reach bipartisan agreement 
uh, and pass legislation through the House and Senate and get President Biden to sign it into law. Yeah. And that's a good point that that the White House is prepared to change this package. They know, they know already that they're not going to get this entire $1.9 trillion package passed, at least in a bipartisan way. They know they're going to have to make compromises. Jen Psaki conceded as much in her briefing yesterday. Um, but and they did, they have made us a, a stab here. They did start an effort to do a bipartisan bill because. The National Economic Council Director, Brian Deese, did a, a conference call on Sunday with a centrist group of 16 senators trying to, to gauge bipartisan support for this thing. But early indications are, if they really want Republican support, this is, this is going to take a lot of work and, it's gonna, and it could take a lot of time because they are clearly not happy with the size of this package they're all from from moderate to conservative on the Republican side. They all seem to be saying that 1.9 trillion is too much. It's too big. It's too sweeping, and we need to scale it back. While that while they agree they need some aid and and they are supportive of some provisions, they're not willing to bite to bite off all of this uh, in one fell swoop, and certainly not on the scale of 1.9 trillion dollars, which really is Biden's dilemma. If he wants to go big and go fast. Can he do it in a bipartisan way, or does he have to go the reconciliation route? It's a tough call. Yeah, and I think one of the big talking points we're hearing from Republicans right now is that Congress, uh, about five weeks ago, passed a $900 billion aid package. And so we're hearing a lot of Republicans say, you know, we don't yet know— um, you know, where additional funding needs are because all of the money from that December coronavirus relief package has not been fully distributed yet. And so that's one of the points that Senate Minority Leader uh, Mitch McConnell uh, made Monday during his opening floor speech. Um, he also said that the Biden administration's coronavirus relief proposal misses the mark. Um, and so it sounds like he is, you know, sort of leading the charge to reduce the price tag of this and potentially to change some of the policy language as well. And so that is going to be um, kind of an ongoing negotiation between the Biden administration um, and Republicans on Capitol Hill and then Democratic leaders as well. And one of the things that I find kind of really fascinating that I'm personally interested in watching play out is that a lot of previous administrations have relied pretty heavily on their, you know, legislative affairs team um, and the Office of Management and Budget. And, um, you know, every now and then maybe a cabinet secretary, like we saw from the Trump administration um, in Steven Mnuchin's role as Treasury Secretary, to be their main negotiators with Capitol Hill. But of course, President Biden is a long-term senator. And so these are all of his former colleagues. These are people that he is used to negotiating with one-on-one -on -one or in small groups himself. And so one of the things that we've been hearing from the White House press briefings is that he's making calls himself. And so I think that's going to be really interesting, especially after four years of the Trump administration, that you have someone who's used to negotiating one-on-one -on -one and kind of views senators um, as colleagues in a way, um, you know, even though that Biden is president. And so I think that's going to, that could potentially impact these negotiations quite a bit. Yeah, that's a good point. There's no question Biden knows the Senate. He's a creature of it. And if anyone can, can negotiate a bipartisan deal, 
he can be pretty good at it. But but this is this is a lot of money to to try to get through. And we should say uh, a lot of Democrats are already calculating that reconciliation is coming. <laughs> and and for all the talk of bipartisanship, in the end, they think they're going to have to go the reconciliation route. And to that end, you know, they're already laying the groundwork to do it. And there's talk of of passing budget resolutions, which would be a first step to getting reconciliation going, because um, you have to have a, a budget blueprint passed, which then has instructions for reconciliation in it to do to do the coronavirus relief that way. And and both House and Senate sides of Democrats are saying we're ready to we're ready to move forward on that. And we could see budget resolutions flying as early as next week, right? Yeah, it seems like the most likely path is that the House goes first on this. Um, We're not entirely sure if House Budget Chairman John Yarmuth is going to hold a markup um, and sort of debate amendments to the sort of shell budget resolution that we're expecting they'll put out for fiscal year 21, which is the current fiscal year. Um, And that could go to the House floor as early as next week. But I'm very skeptical that the Senate is going to take up a budget resolution before they head into uh, the impeachment trial the week of February 8th, because there's, you know, the Senate's role in terms of advising and consenting on cabinet nominees um, is very much underway. And the main thing we heard from the Biden administration and from Democratic leaders in the Senate is that their main priorities right now are uh, getting Biden's cabinet stood up, Uh, getting this impeachment trial underway. And then, of course, they've said that coronavirus relief is one of the top three priorities as well. Um, And as much as we hear from lawmakers all the time that they can walk and chew gum at the same time, the evidence that they can actually do that on three issues as substantial as cabinet nominees, an impeachment trial, and billions, potentially trillions in coronavirus relief is not necessarily always the case. Yeah. And there's no question that, you know, just as they're trying to to uh, do a major legislative initiative in a bipartisan way, uh, an impeachment trial coming on top of that really roils the waters here and, and is going to complicate things and, and, and slow it down and increase partisan tensions. So that is a real complication they're going to have to contend with. And, and chances are not, nothing substantive on this can really happen until after the impeachment trial is done in mid-February or so, whenever that turns out to be. And then here's the other interesting thing, Jen, to me. If, you know, if, if they use reconciliation, yes, they, can, they don't have to worry about GOP opposition. They ram it through on a party line vote if they want to. But it opens up a whole other new can of worms here because you can't use reconciliation for everything that Biden wants. And it's, it's going to trigger all kinds of parliamentary debates, procedural wrangles over which pieces of this package can be passed through reconciliation, which ones can't. And we just had, you know, the, the provision that Republicans really hate in this thing is, is a more than doubling of the federal minimum wage, to $15 an hour. Uh, Biden wants that in this package. Republicans don't like it. They say it'll cost jobs. and even the Democratic budget chairman in the House, John Yarmuth, this week said he thinks it's a stretch to be able to pass minimum wage under reconciliation. 
I mean, that doesn't bode well. That suggests they're going to really have to pick this package apart. Yeah, this is something that budget experts and reporters have been looking at ever since the Biden administration released their proposal. Um, And there is some indications that, you know, some parts of it may move through the regular legislative process and other parts may move through the reconciliation process. Uh, But that really isn't determined right now. There's still a lot of negotiations going on behind the scenes, and we're not entirely sure um, what points of order senators may bring up uh, when the Senate is likely eventually debating the reconciliation package on the Senate floor. Um, And one thing that we know um, is, you know, long-term statute in the Senate on reconciliation is this bird rule. And so I think one of the big issues that a lot of budget experts and lawmakers and the parliamentarian, I'm sure, are looking at right now is the bird rule objection that says changes to spending or revenue can't be merely incidental. And so that's going to be a pretty substantial debate on the Senate floor in terms of whether or not increasing the $15, the minimum wage from $7.25 to $15 an hour is incidental. Right. In terms of it being incidental to federal, federal spending and federal revenue, um, because it's, it, you know, you can increase, mandate a wage increase that private employers have to pay, but is that really, is that not just incidental to federal spending and revenue? Um, that's that. That's an un, that's an unresolved question, and and uh, it would be up to the parliamentarian to rule. But that does put a minimum wage increase in real jeopardy if they try to go the reconciliation route. And there could be other provisions in this package as well that fall victim to this bird rule. Um, and then Biden has said, on the other hand, that he doesn't want to pick this package apart. He said Monday that he you know he doesn't want to start pulling this piece out and this piece out and then trying to pass them separately because that's going to take a lot more time. And, and he sees, he sees all these needs as very urgent to do right now. So, you know, based on that concern, you'd think he'd really prefer to do a bipartisan deal and not have to worry about all the procedural pitfalls of reconciliation. Yeah, when Biden was asked about this on Monday, he said he didn't want to cherry pick parts of the legislation just yet. But there is going to be a point in time where the administration has to change, agree to certain changes in this package to get Republican buy-in if they can get Republican buy-in, which isn't yet known. And all of this is on a pretty swift timeline right now because um, you know additional funding is needed for vaccine distribution. Um, And, you know, while the country's preparing for a Super Bowl, full-time in-person school is not yet back. And so, you know, the coronavirus pandemic does continue to have serious impacts on society and the economy. And the Biden administration, Democrats, and a decent amount of Republicans do agree that additional funding is needed to help the economy, the healthcare sector, and people weather what is hopefully the last few months of this pandemic in terms of staying at home, uh, you know, restaurants having limited or no capacity depending on where they are in the country, um, and everyone sort of just trying to get through this. And so I think that's going to be kind of the urgency here is that they want funding for a serious vaccine distribution effort now, and Biden really wants 
in-person schools to be able to return in a safe way that protects teachers, students, and staff. And so that's going to be kind of the fire behind this negotiation, um, in addition to the timeline on unemployment insurance benefits expiring in March. Okay. So I think the next two weeks are, are pretty telling here in terms of which way this thing goes, and we'll be watching it all for you. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week. Mm